Welcome to the Sterling Foursquare Church Podcast. Our mission is to offer hope for the broken, lives that are thriving, the equipping of believers, and the launching of leaders. More info can be found at sterlingfoursquare.com. Thank you for joining us today. All right, well, good morning. We have been in a month on mission. We've been talking about what it looks like for you and I to live on mission in our day-to-day interactions, uh, how to go about living for the kingdom of God, aligning our life with the plan and the purpose that he has for us, all of those things, being a difference maker in the community around us. And I don't know if that's something that you get excited about or intimidated by, but I would say that all of us are intimidated by that idea uh, at some point. And I was reminded this week, uh, I was about 22, 23 years old, uh, was in uh, my full-time ministry, I was a youth pastor in Southern California, and I was just trying to eat my lunch, right? So I, I was at Carl's Jr. at a double Western bacon cheese. Everybody knows that that's what you get when you go. And I'm, I'm just eating lunch, trying to be alone and eat my lunch. And I could see out the window, sitting outside on the patio, was a lady who was eating lunch by herself. And I felt like the Lord had prompted me to go talk to her. And uh, I don't know how you respond to the promptings of the Lord, but mine was like, I don't want to talk to her. I want to eat my lunch. That's where I was at. And so we started kind of having this conversation uh, in, inside uh, and, and going back and forth. And I was just like, man, I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to talk to that lady, I just want to eat my fries. And so as I'm kind of having this inner dialogue with the Lord, I was like, okay, well, when I finish my lunch, if she's still there, God, I'll go, I'll go talk to her. Anybody ever look for shortcuts out of the things that God's asking you to do? So that was my bargain with the Lord. And so, of course, I began to eat slower. Right, all the things that my kids do to stall, like I invented that stuff. So I'm sitting there, like eat my fries one at a time. Nobody does that, but I was just trying to take my sweet time. I got all the way finished, and the lady was still out there. And so by this time, I had been spending uh, this time back and forth wrestling with the Lord. I was like, okay, I'm going to go talk to this lady. And I don't know uh, how comfortable you are with just kind of cold call conversations when you just walk up to a stranger and start talking to them about, about anything random, let alone something that maybe the Lord had put on your heart. But I went up, I just kind of introduced myself and asked if I could sit down, and she was kind enough to, to oblige and, and, and to give me that hospitality. I sat down with her, and I began to kind of awkwardly engage in this conversation that literally went nowhere. Right? I don't know if, if you've ever been kind of prompted by the Lord to take a step of faith and then you finally resolve to do it and then like God did something miraculous and spectacular. Those are the stories that we hear about. Those are the ones that we expect to happen, especially after we've wrestled out like this discomfort with the Lord and we're finally, okay, God, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna walk in obedience. And it was wah, wah, wah. This conversation with nowhere, there was nothing that culminated at the end and there was just kind of like this awkward, well, see you later, and I left, and, and, and I remember being frustrated. I was frustrated with that person. I was super frustrated with the Lord, and I was like, what was that all about? Because the result wasn't what I had thought it was going to be. I thought the amount of effort that it had to take to just get me to do that, that certainly there was going to be like this radical miracle, something crazy was going to happen. Um, no, it was, for me, super disappointing. 
And when I share that with you, that is oftentimes kind of our fear. It's the worst case scenario about being on mission in the life that we live, that somehow we would take a step of faith, that we would walk in obedience to the things that the Lord would assign to our lives, and that it would kind of fall flat, and we would maybe feel embarrassed or somehow uh, take that on for ourselves. And so just for you, like, have you ever been intimidated by something that the Lord has asked you to do? Have you ever been intimidated by sharing your faith or letting somebody at work know that you actually do go to church and that that's a priority? Have you ever been shy about telling about your Jesus journey or maybe uh, hidden your Bible when you were trying to read it, you put a different book cover on it just so people would leave you alone? Maybe you've been worshiping in your car with the windows down and you pull up to the stop stoplight and you, and you turn it down because you know everybody's going to hear you or see you or, or listen to what you're doing. Maybe uh, the Lord has invited you to be used by him and you've just kind of slowly eaten your lunch until the opportunity passed I think that that is normal for us. And there's some things that uh, in that scenario were really concerning to me. I didn't really feel like I knew what I was supposed to do. I didn't really know the details on how I was supposed to do it. And I was expecting a series of results that I didn't really have an expectation for, but I kind of had an assumption that something was going to happen and take place. And what I would suggest to you is as we've been focusing on how to live a life on mission, how to live a life where on my Monday through Saturday, I'm integrating my faith, that I'm looking for opportunities to partner with the Spirit of God, that I'm looking to make a difference and be useful in the lives around me as I partner with the Lord, that there's some intimidation that comes in that limits us oftentimes when it comes to this. And there's a variety of reasons, but it usually lands on feeling disqualified that somehow I'm going to do this or I'm going to try to do this and it's not necessarily going to work out. And most of the time we think of ourselves in that lens uh, because we view the task as I don't know what I'm supposed to do or how I'm supposed to do it. We get locked into kind of the details of it. And I can tell you, you can go and you can kind of research kind of how to uh, live on mission or how to share your faith or things like that. And you can, you can bump into things that'll say, well, here's your one, two, three, and here's your ABC. And if you do this, this, and this, then you can always expect that. There's a lot of things that would try to tell you how to do something uh, correctly or what to expect. But I have found that it is uh, more helpful to have principles that you can stand on that you can use in any and every opportunity. And that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to look at the way that Jesus sent his disciples out to live on mission. And we're going to glean from the narrative that we read some principles that are sound, regardless of where you are and what you're doing, regardless of whether you know the how uh, or, or the moment, that, that are always sound. So that in all the varying uh, things in your context that might change, you can be sure that you can stand on these principles or guidelines and that you can take that step of faith. And so if you've got your Bible, I want to invite you to go ahead and get that out and raise it up. If you've got your smartphone or your tablet, go ahead and open up your Bible app. Lord, we ask that you give us soft hearts for your word today. Lord, that it would be living. Lord, that it would produce in us what is sent forth to do. All things that your word is described to do in our lives. Lord, give us a willingness to receive your word and to take steps of faith this week, being led by your spirit to put it into practice. Let it encourage our hearts that we would encourage others. In Jesus' name, amen.
If your Bible's out, if you would go ahead and open up to Matthew chapter 10. We're going to be looking at a series of verses here in the chapter. I would encourage you on your own to read the entirety of the chapter. Uh, it's, it's pretty meaty, pretty detailed. There's a lot in there. We're going to focus in on just a few verses this morning as we find principles for living life on mission. But in Matthew chapter 10, uh, the gospel narrative is recording when Jesus is sending his disciples out. So on this occasion in Matthew chapter 10, he calls the 12 disciples to him. He gives them instructions and he sends them out on mission. And this isn't the only time he did that. In fact, uh, most of the gospels record narratives like this. Luke records an occasion where he didn't send out just the 12, but there was a group of 70 or 72 that were all sent out to do something similar to this. So this was a common practice that Jesus utilized in helping people grow as disciples. There are things that you need to know, and there are things that you need to do. And that's an important thing, just kind of a, a, just kind of a side note for you to hold on to. Sometimes the, the place that we are in need of growing spiritually is not in what we know, but whether or not we're going to take a step and put it into practice. And so Jesus, as part of his discipleship program, as it were, would send his disciples out on mission to accomplish certain things. And in this, we're going to see some details of what he speaks to what they're supposed to do. But more importantly for you and I, we're going to find five principles or five guidelines for living a life on mission. So as we continue in this series and we think about, okay, how am I going to live a life on mission for the things of the kingdom of God after church today and on into my week? Here are some sound principles that we can land on. Now I'm going to read this portion of scripture, uh, verse 7 through 14, in its entirety quickly just to give you a context of where we're landing. These aren't going to be up on the screen. You can read on your own, but we will go through these verses individually as we walk through this. And so Jesus has his 12 disciples. He's called them all together. He's getting ready to send them out on mission to do and be an expression of the things of the kingdom of God. And starting in verse 7, he says this to them. He says, as you go, preach this message, the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Do not take along any gold or silver or copper in your belts. Take no bag for the journey or extra tunic or sandals or, or a staff, for the worker is worth his keep. Whatever town or village you enter, search for some worthy person there and stay at his house until you leave. And as you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake the dust off your feet when you leave that home or town. Okay, so we're going to just take this section of what Jesus says here. And again, it's out of a larger narrative, and I would encourage you to read the whole chapter for yourself. But just in these short verses, there are five principles of living a life on mission that can be very, very helpful for you, very, very helpful for me, if we would begin to stand on these as we move into this next week. And the first principle is going to be found in verses eight, or excuse me, verse seven, and the first part of verse eight. And so let's look at that again. He says, as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy and drive out demons. Now, if you're somebody who's kind of familiar with Jesus' ministry, if you're familiar with uh, the gospel narratives, his statement, the kingdom of heaven has come near, that should be familiar to you. 
In fact, and on all occasions where the gospel writers are talking about Jesus going out and beginning to share the message or the good news, he would always frame it in this idea that the kingdom of heaven has come near or the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is now. And really what he was saying is that the way that things were intended to be originally in the way that God intended things for them to be, you can experience that now. You don't have to wait for someday anymore. That it's, that it's now, that the rule, presence, reign, power of God can be something that you experience in your life today that you no longer have to wait for it to show up. The kingdom of heaven is now. And then it's demonstrated by what he tells them to do, to go out and heal the sick and to the raise the dead and cleanse those who have leprosy and drive out demons. And that sounds scary, doesn't it? Right? If I said, okay, we're just going to read this verse, you guys go out and do this this week, how many of us would be intimidated by that idea that you were going to go out and you were going to pray for the sick and that you were actually going to see them healed, that you were going to watch people be de- delivered from demonic oppression, that you were going to see people cleansed, that you were going to see the dead raised to life. That would be super intimidating here, right? But Jesus is giving them some very specific instructions and he's not just telling them, this is what I expect you to do. And if I don't see these results, then there's a problem. What he's actually saying is this, I want you to go and say what you've heard me say and do what you've seen me do. To say what you've heard me say and do what you have seen me do. And here's principle number one. Principle number one is this, the message is always the same. The message is always the same. That the way that God intended your life to be, that it isn't now, can be because Jesus can make you right with God. That you can be healed, that you can be restored, that you can be reconciled, that you can be set free. Look at those things there, heal the sick, right? That's not just about having your physical healing, although that is a part of that. But God is in the business of this, taking the things in your life that are broken and making them whole. Healing the sick has to do with wholeness. Raising the dead, certainly that's something that you see uh, in scripture and there's stories of that happening even in contemporary times. But it's not just the idea of death to life in the sense of a physical body. Jesus is in the business of taking the things in your life that are dead and decay and resuscitating them with new life. It's the whole reason why we have that idea of born again or that language in, in the idea of being spiritually regenerated and renewed. Cleansing those who have leprosy. That just sounds like somebody who was sick got healed again. Why would, why would that be highlighted here? Because if you were leprous, you weren't just ill, you were outside of society. You were marginalized, you were somebody who was cast off, and Jesus is in the business of not just healing us or making us whole, but restoring us to community, reconciling us back to one another. That's actually one of Paul's uh, big things that he focuses on his letters to the church. He talks about reconciliation. He talks about unity, togetherness, coming together and being the community of God's people. And then this idea of driving out demons, it's not just being released from spiritual oppression, it's experiencing freedom in every area of your life where you would be bound. And so the, me- the message is always the same. The message is always the same. There is hope in Jesus for the things in your life that aren't the way that God intended them to be, for them to be that way because of Jesus at work in your life. And I draw our attention to that because sometimes we feel like we need to somehow share our faith with a little, we gotta bedazzle it 
right? It's got, we've got to have a real testimony. In fact, some of us have grown up in, in, in uh, just kind of a, a faith journey where we really haven't been in the pit of despair and then liberated in the sense that we would have like a Hollywood movie script type of testimony. And some of you have felt disqualified because your testimony wasn't gritty enough to somehow make a difference. That somehow you weren't broken enough to show that you've been made whole enough now to somehow be useful for the Lord. But we've all needed grace. We've all been saved by grace. It was all of us who were in the same need. And you can say, well, my pit was deeper than yours, but we were all dead before we had life in Christ. Like the message is always the same. And so you don't, have to, you don't have to bedazzle it. You don't have to couch it in arguments. You don't have to somehow uh, uh, you know, make it theatric. We just share the simplicity of hope in Jesus Christ. The message is always the same. Now, the moments and the methods need to be paid attention to, right? The moments and the methods. When you share and how you share, those things are important, but it's not as important as the message Itself. One of my favorite Proverbs is Proverbs chapter 27, verse 14. It says this, if anyone blesses their neighbor loudly in early in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. Now, at the early service, I said, you know, how many of you guys can really feel this? And nobody was really feeling it because they're all morning people, right? They love it loud in the morning. But they would be the ones who blessed you that you wouldn't really feel like it was a blessing, Right, We needed the extra hour to get to this service. Anyone loudly blessing their neighbor early in the morning, it's going to be considered a curse. What is that verse talking about? What is that proverb saying? That tact and timing are important. Tact and timing are important. So the moment that you share and how you go about sharing it, those things are really, really important. But don't think that they're more important than the message. The message is very, very simple. The message is Jesus. When you move on to the second part of verse eight, you get to principle number two. So principle number one is the message is always the same. Principle number two is found in this verse. Verse eight, second part of that verse. Freely you have received, freely give. Now we've talked about this a lot. We've highlighted this. This is something that you've heard me say on many occasions, but the principle is this. You cannot give what you do not have. You cannot give what you do not have. As Jesus is instructing his disciples to go on mission and to give what they have received, they have already received from him prior to being sent. And this is so important. Listen to me. Jesus is the source. You have nothing to offer the world around you outside of what you have received from Christ. Not anything that's really lasting. Not anything that has eternal value to it. You have to receive in order to give. Jesus is the source. He is the source of what you would be offering to the world around you. And too often, you and I are looking for a source of life other than Jesus. We're looking for a source of life in ourselves. We're just going to try to do it on our own. We're looking for it in others that somehow they're going to be the answer to the issues in my life. We look for it sometimes in things or sometimes we're going to change our circumstance that if my circumstance would just change, then everything would be okay. But you can't give any hope out of those things. You have to go to Jesus. Jesus is the source. You cannot effectively live the things of the kingdom of God without going to the source of that kingdom. So in order to freely give, you have to have received, you have to go 
to the source. Um, we've been highlighting a class that we're doing called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, and we've had a huge number of our church that have responded to this class. And one of the premises of this class is this, that many of us spend a lot of time trying to do religious things to somehow create vitality and life and fruitfulness in us, and we do that at the expense of just staying in connection with Jesus. That we need to start with just being with him and then go do from that place. But many of us are trying to do things in order enough to feel like we're worthy to come and be with him. We've got it backwards. So you go to the source and then go from there with what you have received. And whatever Jesus has done in you and is doing uh, for you, he wants to do through you for others. But you you can't offer what you don't have. It's really hard for a believer to go out and talk about the joy of the Lord in a way that's convincing when they don't have any joy. To talk about the love of God when we don't live out loving our neighbor. We have to have that in us before we can offer it to someone else. And so you cannot give what you don't have. You've got to go to the source. Third principle is found in the next two verses. As Jesus gives them instruction, he says this. He says, do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts. No bag for the journey or an extra shirt or sandals or staff for the worker is worth his keep. Now you can connect this verse to a number of the other ones kind of in the rest of this narrative and you can build out some different ideas and some connection points. But one of the things that Jesus is focusing here on is our tendency to want to provide for ourselves. And more than that, our tendency to want to provide for ourselves in advance of taking steps of faith or difficulty. And principle number three is this, it will be provided. Not that you'll have it in advance necessarily, but that it will be provided. You and I were not intended to meet our own needs. Did you know that? You we're not intended, we weren't created by God to somehow meet our own needs. Our needs are met in him. And even when it comes to our daily provision, that's why in Matthew, uh, Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount encourages in so many ways not to worry about tomorrow, but to just take care of today. Everything that you need to take a step of faith today, you have today. Everything that you need to walk in obedience to whatever Jesus would be calling you towards today, you already have that today. He has already provided everything that you need today. The problem for us is that we look at tomorrow and we're not sure if it's going to be there. And so many times we don't take that step of faith that leads us into what he would do in us tomorrow and the provision that would be there tomorrow because we don't see it today. But as he's giving his, his disciples instruction on how to go out and live a life on mission, go beyond mission, guys. Don't pack, don't provide, don't have a contingency option. You don't need to think in advance. Just trust that everywhere you set your feet, I have already gone before you and I will prepare what you need in advance. It will be provided. Now, if we're looking to the wrong source, right, one of the other principles when we are, are not going to Jesus to give out of that place, but when we're trying to pro, uh, provide for ourselves, then we find ourselves struggling in this area. But you have everything that you need. I have everything that I need today to do what Jesus is asking me today. And if I need something else for tomorrow to take the next step of faith, he will provide that. 
In Psalm 34, verses 8 through 10, the psalmist lands on this idea. He says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you, his holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. If you will prioritize following Jesus, you will always have what you need to continue to take that step. And you already have today whatever is needed for your step today. And you can trust him with your tomorrow because he has already been there. He's already prepared that in advance. So principle number one, the message is always the same. Principle number two, you cannot give what you do not have. You've got to go to the source. Principle number three, it will be Provided principle number four, and this is an important one for our day and age. Matthew chapter 10, verse 11, as he continues to give his disciples some instructions, he says this, whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person and stay at their house until you leave. Now, you can build a whole bunch of uh, things and understanding out of the cultural um, uh, uh, value of hospitality during this time, the, the way that kind of community cared for community and the way that people were received entering into and moving out of communities. There's a, a number of things that you can uh, uh, hone in on in that regard. But there is a principle here for you and I that's super helpful for today that goes beyond like hospitality. And it's this principle number four, if you're a note taker, write this down, seek out the seekers. Seek out the seekers. And what I mean by that is this. When Jesus gave them instruction, they were to go into a community and they were to find those who were favorable at their reception and to connect with them and to begin to do their work there. He didn't ask them to go into a community, find out who was a hostile antagonist and then go toe to toe with them. Seek out the seekers. Listen, don't waste your time arguing or somehow combatively relating to people who are antagonists to your faith. Somehow we, we have this sense of, well, maybe I need to somehow defend God. God doesn't need your defense. Right? He doesn't actually need your participation either. We get to participate for our benefit, not his. He can do all of this without us. We have a tendency sometimes to feel like somehow our role is to argue, to convince, to somehow combat things that would be opposing the work of God instead of finding those that the Spirit of God has already been working in and be mindful about paying attention to those opportunities. Seek out the seekers. Seek out the seekers. We live in a day and age right now where that's not something that the majority of the church is doing. We're just firing off on social media in any and all directions, entering into the places where we're being baited. Just mind your own business. And I mean that in, in this sense. I had a conversation with somebody earlier this week uh, about some of the different theological and doctrinal positions within our community. And so we were talking a little bit about some things that as a church family, we would say are distinctives, that they're values, that they're things that, that we would uh, have a higher degree of importance to, and where some other places of faith may not agree with that or be even openly uh, antagonistic towards that. 
And in this conversation, the, the, the person said, how do you, like, what, what do you do when you're in that conversation? Or what do you do when you, when you bump into that? And I told them that I don't have those conversations. I don't, I don't spend my time doing that. If you and I spent our time running around finding everybody who disagreed with us and somehow made it our mission or our effort to fight them on that front, you would, listen, you would never do anything productive for the kingdom of God. You would waste all of your time and all of your effort in a fruitless melee. And you would probably just come out hurt and damaged and most likely would also damage your message as well. When Jesus gives the disciples the instruction, he says, go into the community, find those who are in favor of you and connect with them and start seeing what God does in that place. In the places that, right, the, the, the places that aren't that, he's gonna tell them in just a few verses, we read it together, he's gonna say, shake the dust off your feet, just let that go. In his letter to Timothy, the second, uh, second letter that Paul sent to Timothy, who was a young pastor at the time, he gave him this advice in chapter two. He says, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments. I love that, super blunt, right to the point. Don't, don't waste your time with silly, stupid arguments because you know that they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. If you and I spend all of our time on social media firing off at everything that we disagree with, you're going to spend all your time on social media instead of, I don't know, maybe out making a difference in your community. Log off your phone, log off your computer, go talk to your neighbor. Love them in a way that they've never seen it happen and see what Jesus does with that. Seek out the seekers. Seek out the seekers. Did you know that the Lord has already been at work in people's hearts long before you saw it? Think about the moments that you've had where Jesus has made a transformative change in you and then go back to where maybe that journey began because it's never just this. There's always a, way, a, a place where your path has been crossed and where the Spirit has been speaking, where you've been exposed to the Word of God that has begun the movement in you that, all, that culminates in that later on. God is already at work in people's lives. Have eyes to see where he's working and go participate in that. And you'll have much more fun living on mission than you will just arguing with others. And the last principle is found in the last couple of verses that we've read. He says, as you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, he doesn't say argue with them, make your point, right? Build a coalition, fight the power. No, he doesn't say any of that. Leave that home or town, shake the dust off your feet. Don't lose sight of the mission. Don't lose sight of the message. Don't lose sight of the invitation to partner with what God is doing and don't get distracted by the things that would look to limit the plans and purposes of God in your life and to draw you away in some type of tangent adventure that doesn't have anything to do with what God has called you to do. Shake the dust off your feet and keep following Jesus. And one of the reasons why those last two are hard, seek out the seekers, and this last one here is because we feel a burden for the results. 
when I got done eating my lunch and I went and talked to that lady and the conversation went nowhere and nothing miraculous happened and I left kind of disappointed and frustrated with the Lord because I was expecting him to somehow do something. I started to go back and this is how I was going through my conversation. I wonder if I should have said something different. Have you been there? I wonder if I, if, if I would have said this or if I hadn't said that or maybe if I had approached this way. I start going back play by play thinking, what if I had done something different? Could I have impacted the result? Because that line of thinking puts me into a place where I'm in control of my circumstances and it's up to me. It's not up to you. The results are never up to you. The results of God being at work in a community and at work in the life of an individual is always up to him and that individual. In John chapter 6, verse 44, as Jesus is speaking, he says these words. He says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. So even when you're out living on mission and you take a step of faith and obedience, right? You risk it for the biscuit and you share your hope with somebody. The result of that isn't based on how well you share or how great you look or how convincing you are, how much you prayed beforehand or what you kind of whipped up spiritually. The result is always up to that person in the Lord. Their heart will be receptive if God has been drawing them and they have been responding to that. And their heart will not be receptive without that. You cannot convince somebody to salvation. You cannot argue them into the kingdom of God. But what that should do is it should actually lower the bar of what we expect of ourselves to where I can just live on mission and be honest and open with people. Man, I see your situation and it looks hopeless, but I know somebody who has given me hope and maybe he can give you hope too. Well, I'm not interested in that. Well, I'll be praying for you because someday you might be. Like when the, res when the results aren't up to us, we can actually rest in these earlier principles and we can be more bold in the way that we integrate our faith into our daily lives. So five principles. Message is always the same, right? Keep it simple. Keep it about Jesus. Number two, cannot give what you don't have. You cannot live a life on mission if you're not spending time with Jesus. You can't pour out of an empty cup. You've got to get filled up first. Number three, it will be provided. Everything that you need for today has already been given to you. Be bold and take that step of faith and everything that you need for wherever Jesus leads you tomorrow, trust that he will provide. He's already been there in advance. Principle number four, seek out the seekers. Don't waste your time arguing with people. Find those who have a soft heart for the things of God and look to cultivate relationship there. And number five, the results are not up to you. And that's actually a freeing principle for you and I. We can trust that we get to, uh, uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul puts it this way, some people plant, some people water, but it's the Lord that makes it grow. So you say yes to Jesus, partner with his plans and purposes for your life, and trust him for the life and the growth around you. Church family, I want to invite you to stand. Worship team, if you would come back forward. I want to give you one last thought before we take a moment to pray and respond to the Lord this morning. I've often revisited that lunch in my mind. 
I've often gone back to that lunch at Carl's Jr. and considered maybe how I could have done it different. I've done all of those games. But one of the things that I've gone back and done is I've gone back and asked, God, what were you trying to do in me? Because as I've wrestled with kind of the, uh, just kind of the discomfort of it and kind of the awkwardness of it, as I've wrestled with the disappointment of not seeing God do what I thought he was gonna do, as I've kind of wandered at different times and wondered like, like, what was that all about? The conversation that I've always had with the Lord around that doesn't have anything to do with that lady. It had to do with me. And there are often times, there are often times, places in your life where the Lord invites you to take a step that has less to do with the activity of the step and more to do with your willingness to say yes more to do with your willingness to overcome a fear or an insecurity, uh, to, to, to overcome something that, that would keep you from moving. Sometimes it's the invitation to just kind of do because you can't learn without doing. And I just want to encourage you that as the Lord would be moving in your life this week, that as much as his plan and his purpose is to use you to, to, to be a blessing to the world around you, to, to make a difference in the lives around you. That at the same time, the invitation that he gives you is to be a blessing to you. It's to change you. It's to, to soften your heart, to make it easier to say yes, to increase your faith, for you to learn and to grow and to move forward and the things that God has for you. I'm gonna ask you to just close your eyes for a moment and I want you to consider this possibility. What would it look like if this next week, each one of us lived purposely to engage the world with the good news of Jesus? And that could look in a number of different ways. That could be you sharing your faith could be you praying for somebody in public. That could be you praying in private to intercede for your workplace. It could be a willingness to say yes to generosity. There's so, so many ways it could be expressed, but what would it look like in our community if that took place? And if we kept the message simple, that there's new life in Christ, that there's forgiveness and hope, in freedom, that he reconciles us and draws us back together. If we would simply share what Jesus has done for us and then offer that hope to others. If, if we just shared what we had and continued to go to Jesus as the source. Lord, expand our imagination for what that would look like. Give us a growing heart for our community and what it would look like for each one of us to live purposely on mission for you, knowing that the results aren't up to us and so we don't have to somehow labor for a return, that we don't have to win the arguments or somehow um, defend you, that we can just look for the opportunities where you've already been working in someone's heart and we could partner with you there, that we could trust that you would provide whatever is needed for that moment that as we spend time with you, we would receive and from there we could freely give. 
Lord, use us this week. And Lord, for any heart here who would feel intimidated by that prospect or disqualified, maybe they've been a long time in their own journey of coming to you, feel as if they need to make up for lost time. Lord, would you lift the burden of condemnation? Would you lift the burden of performance from us? that you can do so much with a willing heart that simply says yes to you. And so Jesus, we say yes today. You're the source. We trust you to provide. Give us eyes to see the opportunity and a faith that you'll be at work, even if we don't see it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you got a smartphone or a tablet, I wanna encourage you to snap a picture of our action steps. Number one, remember that Jesus is the source, so go to him before you go in his name. Number two, give what you have received. Number three, trust Jesus with the results this week as you live on mission.